your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people just like you who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. Today's guest was featured in an episode about a month ago. It was really with his mother and brother. They were doing a cooking demo from their wonderful book, Pure Ambrosia, and people said, you got to have Josh, you got to have Josh. So here he is, Josh Lajani. How you doing, Josh? Hi, thanks for having me, Chef AJ. Absolutely. You look great. You, I mean, you look like you even lost more weight. You look very svelte. I am. I have. I'm getting leaner. I'm not necessarily a whole lot lighter. I'm still about 197, 198. Um, but my body fat has dropped. I've been doing some very specific things with workout and nutrition with a friend of mine, uh, just because I wanted. I'm always wanting to like go to the next place. You know. That's and, amazing. Uh, and yeah, well, so I'm a little bit leaner. Thanks for noticing. It feels good. <laughs> no, really. You do. And, and if anybody is new to Josh Lajani, he has an amazing story of losing a, a whole person. He was over 400 pounds. He's under 200 pounds. So at least a 200 pound website. Do you ever get tired of telling that story? Because you have so many podcasts. I, I put you into podcasts because I like to prepare, even though I know you. And it's like, yeah, and you've done it all. You've been on Ritual three times. <laughs> I know. I don't. I don't. I, I have to say, Chef, is tricky because I, I want to say I don't get tired of telling the story, but I do. I do. I get tired of telling it over and over. Um, but the only thing that, that really sort of keeps me keeps me going and keeps me doing it, even though it's not necessarily fun, I often feel like I'm talking about myself and it gets to be like it feels neocentric at times, you know, very... But I often get so many private messages from people about, hey, look, I know you don't, I don't, I'm just so-and-so, and I know this message probably doesn't matter to you very much, but please keep doing what you're doing. I'm a fat boy from South Mississippi, and I grew up hunting and fishing all my life, and you've been a real, and so when I, when those things happen, it just makes me, okay, knuckle up, deal with it, keep telling the story, um, and uh, keep being available for, for, for that part of you know, with the universe. Yeah. I recently heard you on the PCRM podcast. And I think the most, one of the most, your whole story is remarkable, even if it was only you losing 200 pounds, but the, 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 the way you were able to influence your family, that doesn't happen very often. I have a very, I have a very close family with, you know, like most families, you might even call our closeness dysfunctional at times, right? We very, we love each other a lot. And we, we've been through a lot. We're going through a lot like most families and uh, I just happen to be the firstborn and I you know throughout life I, I guess maybe I have had been the person to try to bring um, new things to the family um, or one of the people and so it just happened that this was one that I was very passionate about because I had felt what it had done inside my own body and from the things I was learning from Dr. Eccleston and Dr. Campbell and you and Dr. Barnard and all of these people, I was like, holy, excuse me, I almost cursed. But I was like, you know, holy cow, I not only am losing weight, but I'm changing what seems like for a good part of my adult years anyway, a dire health outcome based on my genetics and my family. And so what's I, what's I, once I learn that, oh, we can sidestep these genetics. It's not a guarantee that just because all the other Lajani men died of heart attacks, that's what I got to do. And so it became bigger than just a diet or bigger than just losing weight. It became a way for us to really, like Dr. Esselstyn says, you know, 
process of control. You know, we have control. Stop, stop putting our doctors on a pedestal and just just groveling at their feet. So please tell me what should I do? What's wrong? No, to take we can take control ourselves. And Dr. Esselstyn in a plant-based diet taught me that. And I just I couldn't shut up about it with my family. And because they were seeing results, they just really they just really uh I'm very proud. It's amazing. I've always said you guys should have a show, a reality show. You know, Zola Johnny's. It's so much better than anything on TV. Seeing you guys together, and and Diane is commenting what I said when we first logged on. He looks thinner than the last time you interviewed him. Love the one with his family and strong family dynamics. And if you didn't see Josh on the Truth About Weight Loss Summit this year, he was really like everybody made a big deal about how you really helped a lot of people with that that story because so many you know. So many people want that I know want to lose five pounds. They want to lose 10 pounds or maybe 30. But it's so much different when you have 200 or more pounds to lose because it's not going to happen overnight. Well, you can't fix it all at once. You have to pick a direction and get moving and understand that that direction is going to wax and wane and evolve over time. There's going to be different things that motivate you and pull you through because people always ask me, what was the straw that broke the camel's back? There was none. You got to understand, like, I reinvent a reason they keep pushing almost every day, you know, and it's, it's just so much about not trying to fix it all at once and, and a football mindset thing of when the day, when the day. Jane says, Josh, how did you push yourself to keep going in the very beginning when you don't see much of a change? Because that's true. If you have a lot of weight to lose, 10 pounds doesn't necessarily show up, I, I mean, as a weight loss when you... Maybe on well, the scale, yeah. Well, the scale showed. That was the thing that really got me going is early on, um, I had done calculations on, because I was so heavy, how many calories I would burn in a given amount of steps. So I got sort of really nerdy about quantifying these things. I was going to school at the time. I was a, a, a senior at Nichols State University right here in Thibodeau, and I bought a pedometer. And I put it on my weight, on my belt. And I was like, okay, so if I weigh 400 plus pounds and I'm walking from, you know, Powell White all the way to Go Hall, how many steps is that? How many calories is that? And so I started counting. And when I started counting those things, I was like, whoa, I'm burning a whole bunch more calories than regular skinny people walking around campus. I'm actually doing a really hell of a good workout walking my big body around. And so understanding that and paying attention that oh even my daily activity is burning three four thousand calories a day okay um that really gave me some traction to keep paying attention and not only was i paying attention to the to the to the calories i was burning at the time um but once i got a scale that worked the scale started moving because of you know for a long time like for a couple of months in the beginning, I had a scale that would only say error. Once I got a scale that showed me a weight and I saw 397 for the very first time on a scale and I was like, okay. And then, but then rather than get discouraged because I knew I was heavy, but I, there was a sting to seeing that number. But then there's a, a, a second wave that comes of, okay, it's just a matter of all I got to do is keep moving. My body's big. I'm heavy. I can burn a lot of calories if I just curb my food 
then we can get we can get moving. And in the beginning, when I was really heavy, the thing that kept me going, honestly, was how easy it was to lose weight at first. But like, that's why I said that has to change because that changes over time. It gets really slow as the weight as you get less and less weight. Yeah, absolutely. How long did your whole journey take from the over 400 pounds to under 200 pounds? Several years, right? Just from the weight part. Like, so I was down under 200 pounds by 2014. So that would have been from 2011 to 2014, three whole years of me doing a lot of things wrong, a lot of paleo in there, a lot of low carb in there um, in the beginning. I mean, the first 100 pounds, I was doing things like that. And it wasn't until, you know, discovering plant-based and discovering uh, running and, and whole food plant-based specifically that the, the weight really, and understanding volumetrics, understanding the things that you, you showed me at the, that, uh, that New Orleans Veg Fest that time. I don't even know if you remember that. It was a long time ago. But, but, but calorie density, that was the first time I'd ever heard of such a thing in that talk you gave. And uh, yeah, that, that helps, that helps a lot. You know, you really understand calorie density, but I think you've taken it even further because one thing you say that is really important, which I think I might steal from you one day is about naturally obtainable amounts. Right, yes, correct. That, because I'm a, as a Louisiana person, I grew up hunting and fishing and living, we call ourselves the sportsman's paradise in Louisiana. So I fancy myself a person that understands nature, that pays attention to animals' behaviors and stuff. So I know what squirrels eat, I know what speckled trout eat, and I know what yellowfin tuna will eat, and I know all of it, what deer eat. And so it just made good sense to me that not only, it kind of two things at once happened. When you said eat to the left of the red line, I was like, wow, all of those foods or the foods that would be just completely abundant in nature, the greens, the things, the tubers, the things, we would be able to find tons and tons of those. And it just made good sense to me that, oh, the things that are naturally attainable, their naturally attainable quantity is, is, is sort of abundant. The green leafies, the things, the, the tubers, the roots and stuff, that made good sense to me that that would make up a huge bulk of our diet because they're easier and to obtain and so and it also helps me it's also a prism through which I can pass my nut consumption and the more calorically dense things that that are acceptable in a whole food plant-based diet yet we for whatever reason completely throw quantity out of the window sometimes and it's very dangerous yeah, I was interviewing Marion Nestle yesterday and she said, you know, how much you eat really does matter. And we weren't able, our ancestors didn't get nuts that were shelled, roasted and salted in three pound bags at Costco. Correct. <laughs> eating, eating eight ounces of nuts in two handfuls is not a normal thing. The humans in all of our millions of years of evolution have never experienced such nut abundance. <laughs> Pipe down, relax. Yes, nuts are healthy, but goodness gracious, you know, not more the better. It's, it's just that I find at least the people I work with it very hard to moderate the, even to that one ounce. That's exactly right. It is very, very difficult. I have wrestled with nuts on and off um, 
over the years are back on right now just because being very, very careful and weighing and counting and putting, I got little containers where I'll put 14 or 15 and take them with me for the day. Um, but yeah, it's a very slippery slope item for sure. There's no doubt. Yep. So we have a question from a live viewer. Uh, who was it? it, it uh, they want to know what you eat every day. I'm trying to figure it. What I see moves. Oh, there we go. Beverly. Hi, Beverly. How you doing? What is Josh's daily diet? I bet it's mostly to the left of the red line. Um, yes, it is. A good chunk of it is to the rest, left of the red line. I do tofu, tempeh, and things like that. Uh, but I would say just a good general three meals is I start almost every day with a, with a version of a tofu scramble. It might look more like a stir fry to, tofu scramble or a jambalaya tofu scramble or whatever, but it's going to be some base that is technically a tofu scramble with lots of veg and greens and, and um, broccoli and stuff. That's one of my favorite things to have in the morning. I usually do a smoothie, a big heavy, not a big heavy, but just a big smoothie with lots of frozen bananas and cherries and lots of greens and stuff and hemp hearts and stuff like that to, to really give me a good, um, you know, I, it'll probably honestly have 600 calories in, in my smoothie. And I'll eat that. I'll drink that for lunch, maybe half before. I, I started doing like you. I started taking a little ice chest with me. So I'll take my smoothie and I'll eat, I'll drink half of it and then drink half of it later. And then for dinner, you know, I'll just usually have like a um, another type. Like I like I love salty, salty uh, mushrooms. We we go through so many mushrooms in our house, so it'll usually just be some sort of another warm dish where uh, maybe a some sort of a plant based burger with some sauteed mushrooms, and um, maybe I'll do it on a romaine leaf and have like burger romaine. That's another. I love using romaine leaves. It's like a bread or a taco shell. Um, and, and so I'll make a concoction of, say, like sauteed mushrooms and onions with some rice in it and some nuts and some Tony Shasheries and just make it taste good and then eat it in romaine leaves, you know, um, or on a hamburger bun if I'm feeling extra sensual. Do you have an air fryer? I have an air fryer. I have a new, have a good one. I love my air fryer. No. People are asking. They're the best. Do you have a do you have the Breville or a smaller one? I, no, I have a. Uh, I think it's a. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but I bought it at Walmart. It's one of those countertop deals that has the door. It, it's like a it's like a toaster oven, um, and it has the big rack in the middle, so you can load it up. One of my favorite things to stick in there is just toast tempeh strips, and I toss it in in seasoning and um and uh, nutritional yeast. And then throw it in there, and it, the nutritional yeast kind of gives it almost like a crispy, like outside. Oh, it's one of my favorite restaurants. It's the but yeah, best. Of course, I'm there, but I love People are asking about your your shirt. What the crab means? They're saying, "Are you a cancer?" I know you're not because you're an Aries like me. So, what's the story about your shirt? This is a race shirt. This is the Mississippi Gulf Coast Marathon uh, I ran in 2019. And you're yeah. still running, right? Yes. Wow. And you started running even, you started running when you were heavy. Right. The very, I, that's honestly, if it hadn't been for running, I don't know if I'd have ever came to a plant-based diet. Um, running got me there. I sort of accidentally backed into running because like I said, 
I started tracking my steps, right? And so that sort of evolved into my tracking my steps became into, well, let me do some extracurricular steps that I track because I'm getting this many steps in a day. Let me get these many extra steps in a day. And then that slowly evolved into walking and running. And, and then that really got me excited about doing my very first race. Uh, which, because I love New Orleans, I'm a huge Saints fan, I'm a huge Louisiana fan, I'm born and bred Louisiana, I'm proud of my state, proud of my history, proud of where I'm from, and so in New Orleans, they have this race called the Crescent City Classic, and I ran that race with a good friend of mine in, in 2012, that was the first race I ever did, and I was still probably 335 pounds at that time, but for me at that time, that was super duper light. I was like, I was down almost a hundred pounds, you know? And so I was excited about that. Uh, but yeah, I've been running ever since I was big and I was hella slower, you know? I mean, cause back then that was probably a 15 minute pace for a 10 K, you know? So 15 minutes per mile. Whereas now when I run that same race, if I'm not doing seven minutes, Per mile, I'm going to be bumped at the end of the race because that's the speed that it takes to get in the top 500 and win a special commemorative poster, which is kind of like what I like to do now in that very same race. Is I'm a top 500 finisher regularly, whereas before it took me almost two hours to finish the damn thing and, and you know barely made it. It's just a really special, special thing. But yeah, running, running was huge, and running is where I learned about Scott Jurich. And the rest is history when it comes to uh, plant-based diet. Wow, that's amazing. You know, a lot of the women that I work with, when they lose weight and they're quite slender, they still see themselves as heavy. Did that happen for you for a while? Or do you know that you're you're thin now? Yeah, no, I still feel fat every day. Wow. I do. I do. Um, there's just moments that I feel my body when I bend a certain way. If I pass by the mirror when I'm not wearing clothes. Um, so me posing and taking pictures of myself and showing my muscles and it's all, a lot of it is me trying to convince myself, you know, um, because, because, <clears throat> yeah, it's not just body fat that makes a person morbidly obese, you know, there's a lot going on in here. And so that self-deprecating sort of vein inside of your fat brain is uh it's, it dies hard <laughs> it takes and so rather than try and wish it would go away i just try and work with it the best i can and be open and transparent with people to let them know it just because you just because you got a mess going on in here doesn't mean you can't get some traction in cloth holes yeah. absolutely i feel i feel fat often that's so interesting i mean i know it took me a while but i i know i'm not anymore i don't I know, know i'm not yeah, I, I put on 32 jeans, you know, and I do sometimes the opposite happens. I pass by the mirror and I can't believe it's me without a shirt. I'm like, whoa, you know, yeah, I got all of these little things going on, these little stretch marks and the wiggly places on my belly. But generally speaking, I was never in a million years thought I was going to look like this when I was 42 years old. Never. So, yeah, it's a lot more positive than negative, no doubt. But I, I don't want to pretend as if. I don't have those feelings and everything's all fine and dandy. 
That's it's so interesting. So, you know, I, you, you were so much able to inspire your family, but friends, not so much, right? Or at least people in your community. Yeah, no, I have, uh, yeah, I don't want to put them on blast. I love them to death, um, but I have a few friends that, I have a few, most of my friends are hard-headed. We would call that downhead head too. That's like, head like a rock, hard head, you know? Um, and so they're not really interested in doing much change, right? Uh, but I have a select few, a handful, who for one reason or other, whether it's from heart disease or just from being uber pragmatic after after watching Forks Over Knives or what the hell, have come to me and said, I'm going to start eating that way. You got any tips? Where should I go? What's the, can you help me out? And so, honestly, I've got probably two or three really good friends um, who are from the bias, who sound like me, who have Kunet, who have crazy Cajun last names like myself, um, who grew up hunting and fishing, who are also now plant-based and have completely changed their, their cardiovascular outcome the trajectory. And I'm super proud. I'm super proud. And even for the people who haven't really jumped on and made life-changing um, sort of uh, commitments in their life to, to a better outcome a lot of those people have you know there are there's still some marginal sort of uh, um, acceptance of there needs to be a change in how we eat. well your where you live is not actually known for, as a mecca for uh, good eating I saw a guy in, in one of my favorite vegan places in New Orleans, and he said, he said, you know, here in New Orleans, we are basically the food capital of the country, if not the world. And we're also the heart disease capital of the country. So those two things, are, they have something to do with each other. So let's, let's be responsible. Let's be objective. Let's be pragmatic about this. I'm, this I'm, is one thing life is calm. I'm trying to remember what city of the South I was in, but I went to one of the stores like like Dixie, Win Dixie or, or Piggly Wiggly. And of course they sell meat in stores. I understand that. But when I've been at the South, they had actual aisles where it was just bacon. Like there was a bacon aisle. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. That we is... have, they do this thing at the grocery store. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna eat them. But there's a grocery store in New Orleans that I go to regularly. And what they do with the ground pork is they mold it into the face of a pig, like a pig head face. And it's just the most, and it's, it's mind boggling to me how that's not disturbing, how that's like marketing. That scene is marketing in a grocery store. It's just, it's crazy. It's wild. You're good. How long did it take you to like the food? The taste oh, of the food? Kale was my big one. Um, and I don't know time wise. It's I would say just a series. I would say probably months before I figured out how to eat kale. And again, you were critical in that because you were the very first person that introduced the idea of massaging the kale. And I watched you do that demo, and that was very important. And then you've changed the recipe since, but your hail to the kale dressing was like boom. It's like, oh, I can eat all the kale in the world. Now I'll just pour some of this on top. Great. Um, but, but the other stuff, like, I'm trying to think, like, 
you know, yeah, nutritional yeast and tempeh and tofu and those types of things, um, they just don't have that same upfront bang that fried fish or sausage has, right? Because it's a caloric density thing happening. There's a, there's a palatability thing happening with the fat and the caloric density of the fat. So I, as I learned more, under, I, I appreciated it and I could accept my food for more of, a, more of its net value rather than that gross upfront thing that it brings to the palate. You know, I've so much, I've just developed a real sort of jaded outlook on palatability in general, which sounds totally masochistic and totally almost sacrilegious for a Cajun person, but I really moved away from palatability being a priority. Um, my food still tastes amazing, but it's not, I'm not always trying to one up every dish. Like every time, like for an example, if my brother and my mom or my grandfather and I, we had made a, a crawfish stew with them. Oh, you know, as soon as we eaten it and it would be delicious, but well, you know, it would be good. Next time we could start that with a little bacon and then we could put some tasso in there and we could finish it off with, you know, we always want to make it taste even a little better. Even if it's the most delicious thing you've ever tasted, you constantly work in your brain, boy, you know what? If we deep fried it, it'd be even better. Like it was, it's always another thing. So just removing that component from how I deal with food, that constant climb of, of, of palatability was a huge step in me sort of settling in a more medium area when it comes to that upfront, upfront burst of dopamine that food gives me. And Dr. Burn. Dr. Barnard and the Pleasure Trap and all of the things that I learned with that really helped me sort of solidify my protocol in my own mind, you know? You know, it's interesting because we, when people lose weight, that exercise isn't necessarily necessary to lose weight. I think it's necessary for other reasons, but I'm wondering in your case, because you actually started the exercise first, so you were flooding your brain with some of those feel-good exercise chemicals, maybe it actually made it easier for you to adjust to the food than people that are just waiting to lose weight before they start exercising. Because you replaced that with something else that made you feel good. thousand percent. I agree. I totally think it was an accident um, and that I started the physical journey first. Like the, 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 And that just comes because... That's a, just a carryover of my history as an athlete and being in the gym as a football player. So that's where I was most comfortable was getting sweaty. That's where that was what was most comfortable for me first. And you're absolutely right. Flooding my brain with all of the, 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 you know, the oxygen and blood that comes with physical activity and, and dopamine and serotonin and all of these things, it, it definitely puts you in a mindset that makes you feel positive about yourself such that you're willing to do these risky things that make you feel vulnerable, like being seen as the fat guy trying to not be fat anymore. Just going as a fat guy going to a restaurant and ordering a salad, you may as well just put your hand up and say, hey, guys, I just want y'all to know I'm trying to lose weight right now. You know? And so there's all of these little micro sort of things um, these micro dynamics, if you will, that people discount, um, that really chip away at your stick-to-itiveness when it comes to the food. And for me, you know, I, I, I'm very thankful that I started on the physical exertion journey first because it really helped build my mental strength 
and uh, and my you know my capacity for discomfort to be honest you know because making food, making hard food decisions is not always easy when you're at someone's birthday party and it's a cute little girl and she wants you to have a piece of her birthday cake what are you gonna do you know and so those are very awkward and hard situations um, but having put myself in a physical difficult, physically difficult situation regularly, not only does it contribute to the dopamine and all of the feel-good chemicals that come along, but it also acclimates you to uncomfortable situations. And you can tap into that, I have found, when you're dealing with difficult food situations. You know, in, in Cajun culture, if you get invited to go to a crawfish bar, it's almost an insult to not eat their crawfish. Not almost, it's definitely an insult. And, and so understanding that those things are coming and that you're going to have, you're going to rub up against it from time to time and you just got to grin and bear it and let it suck and deal with it. Um, that comes from the physical part for me. That has really lent, lent a, a, a very strong open hand in changing my food. For sure. In addition to saying about eating things in naturally obtainable amounts. One of the things that always goes through my head that you said, especially when people are contemplating gastric bypass surgery or I'm hearing doctors talk about it, I'm like, no, make the food larger. Don't make your stomach, I mean, make the food larger instead of making your stomach smaller. I thought that was just such a like profound way to look at it. Yeah, and people don't understand it. It's, people don't understand how how easily you can mess up caloric density with you eat, oh, I ate two baked potatoes today because I saw, I watched a, a McDougal thing. Okay, what was on the baked potato? Like, because if you put, if you put vegan butter on the potato, if you put mayo on the potato, all those fat calories are going to fat now because you have satisfied your caloric demand with all of the carb richness and deliciousness of the potato, but because now we add we add some fat to it. Now we have enough. Now we've really affected the caloric the caloric density of just that one baked potato. People don't understand how quickly they can turn a 500 calorie meal into an 800 or 900 calorie meal with no real depreciable volume change. You know, you're not getting any fuller from the food. You just have an extra. Five six hundred calories, and it might be marginally marginally more delicious to eat. Um, and that just adds up. It just adds up. Not only from the the oxidative priority perspective of your body's going to burn all the carbs first, and it saves all of it, it saves the fat to the end. So you're going to be if you're carb if you if you're satisfied calorically with carbs, any fat you do eat is going to go on your body. That's what Dr. McDougall means by the fact you eat the fat you wear, because we're talking about eating a very high-carb diet, which is even more important to be low-fat. Absolutely. I'm surprised none of the doctors there have like, like just grabbed you and told you to go speak at all the hospitals. <laughs> I have a lot of these, I have a lot of doctor friends and you'd be surprised. They, they do have, I do have a bunch of the lifestyle medicine physicians who invite me to come and speak at their, their things. And, and they do uh, ask me to come mouthpiece our lifestyle um, often. So they, they do that a lot. That would be so cool. Honestly. You know, so many people that lose weight through so much suffering and effort 
often gain some or all of it back. That clearly hasn't happened to you, but is there like a little voice in the back of your head like worried that it could? Um, well, of course, I think it's very deep and it's very quiet and it's just way in the back of my head. But of course, that, that thing is there. Um, and I have put on weight, you know, I put on five or 10 pounds and then go, what are you doing? You know, I have, you know, going through injury or my grandfather died at the end of 2017. I sat around for a week waiting for him to die because we, he was on hospice and that, that was just a terrible, terrible week of my life. And yes, I've eaten, eaten, you know, graham crackers every time I pass the pantry and nuts and you know, colossal cashews and, you know, just really eating my feelings. And, and I was injured on top of that. So it's not like all of a sudden I'm, I have made myself perfect and I'm completely rigid. There, I've been like the trees with the wind, you know, that's what nature does. That's real. That's real. Um, and so I do have that voice, but Every time I hear it a little bit louder, I just double down and understate and you know remind myself that it's not even just about me anymore because I have I have sort of put myself out there and now like me doing the thing is part of me helping others because if if, if people see me fall off, you know, then it's like it almost gives them like what. And, and so it's just an added thing. And I'm not, I'm completely invited. I invite all impetus for, for uh, consistency in my life. We have a few questions and feel free to only answer the ones you want. How old is Josh? Does he eat any nuts? And does he have loose skin? Um, I'm 42 years old. I just turned 42 in April. And I do eat nuts, but we were just talking at it's a very uh, tentative relationship, uh, and I'm very specific, and I don't keep nuts in bulk. Uh, I don't do any of that. I'm very, very deliberate about my nut intake. Some days, I enjoy the caloric density of them because maybe I'm not eating a lot in that day, um, and some days, they work out great for me. Uh, but sometimes, definitely, it's a slippery slope food. Um, and do I have loose skin? I've lost 230 pounds. I 1,000% have loose skin. There is no doubt I have loose skin. And I'm and on my Instagram, I've showed a whole bunch of shirtless pictures of myself and all. And you can see, you know, there's a lot of loose skin here, wow. and, right? Um, in the stretch, I have stretch marks there. Um, and around my belly button, it's really wiggly and loose. Uh, I don't know how much of that is just body fat, how much is how much is left over viscera and skin. Um, but I, I, I really don't care. I'm I'm just playing with it. I'm working with a good friend of mine who's who's more of a bodybuilder, and and so I'm curious to see. How, if there's a way that I can eat that specifically attacks the fat in my body, and let's do it that way. So I've been experimenting with all sorts of things um, uh, with with my friend. Um, but yeah, I have loose skin, and I have 
saggy skin and I have uh, I have stretch marks. Um, but with all of that said, I look a thousand times better than I ever thought I was going to look when I was fat and worried about how I was going to look with all this extra skin. Like, really. It's, it's not a reason to not lose weight. And your muscles incredible. I've never seen it. That's really amazing. Yeah, the arm, and I gotta, I'm telling you, even after I had lost 100 and, I remember 180, 190 pounds, I still was worried about wearing sleeveless shirts because when I would do this and my arm would be relaxed. You can see now here, but all of this would be just, all of this was straight and it was just like a flat. You know, there was no definition there. And so just my arm, watching my arm morph over the years has just really given me a lot of hope for, for the rest of my body. And the rest of the body has followed suit. But you will always be able to tell that I used to weigh 230 pounds more than I weigh now. And honestly, it's kind of neat, like, because I'll be running and then. Uh-oh. Hope he comes back. Well, such is Zoom. How you guys doing? Thanks for being here. Hopefully he will reconnect in a moment and we will get the rest of your questions answered. He's amazing, isn't he? I've never seen his muscle before. It's incredible. And so many people that are women say, I'm afraid to lose weight because I might have loose skin and I'll, oh, here he's back. There you go. You're sideways, but I'm so glad you're back. Well, not back yet. Your question about what the best nuts are to eat, Diane, my understanding, walnuts, unsalted and raw, highest in omega-3 fatty acids, but you can also eat seeds. Somebody, uh, Apple says about yin yoga is helpful. We're gonna be doing a, a free class tonight. It's six o'clock. In, in the sound bowl, healing, chanting, and restorative yoga at six o'clock on this channel. Okay, you're good, but you're sideways. Now Sorry. You're That's okay. Don't worry about it. Oh, uh, we go. Now we go. Don't worry about it. So, yeah, no. Yeah. So, um, what was I saying? I'm sorry. As people yeah, no, you said that you're, you're working with a, a, somebody that's helping your figure yeah. out this thing with yeah, the skin. Sure. But they, and you... Yeah. And, um, yeah, and so I just, you know, I look way better than I ever thought I would. It's not a, um, it's not a reason to not to not lose the weight. Worrying about what the the loose skin is going to look like. I was thinking, ah, dang it, ah, I'm sorry, I forgot what we were talking about. Yeah, that's what we were talking I, I was about. On a, yeah. And and you know, if if it really bothers somebody, they they do have procedures now that it sounds painful, but they they have a whole television show about that where they just remove the skin. Right. So, of course. Not, not, not a reason not to do it. So here's somebody, Jenny says, Josh, I had weight loss surgery 10 years ago. I lost a hundred pounds, but need to lose a hundred more. Can I still eat plant-based? I have no idea. I'm not a, I'm not, that would be a Garth Davis question. You know, um, I would imagine you could, <laughs> I would imagine you're going to have to affect caloric density so you can get enough calories in your little stomach now, unless you've stretched it back out over the years. But, uh, yeah, it's just, it's going to be a matter of adjusting food for sure, right? For sure. Yep. Yep. And if you don't mind, I want to say something real quick about what a lot of the plant-based doctors that I have found, and I love them all to death, but so many of them don't really give a lot of uh, credence to worrying about, about volume. You know, it's always eat as much as you, studies show that with no concern for volume, you know, patients, you know, recovered or lost, generally lost weight or whatever the case is. And that might be true 
when the sample size is big enough. But if you're a, but if you're a, if you're a big eater, you can definitely whole food plant based put weight on by just eating too damn much food, you know? Um, so that, that, that's important. So just, it, and so at a certain point when we're wanting specific things, we have to, I have resorted to being way more specific than I ever used to be, um, counting, weighing my food, counting calories and things like that. Cause I'm trying to do something really specific with my body, you know? And if you're having trouble, um, moving the needle, it's, it's not, it's not some sort of bio biological like mystery. It's just a matter of you fixing what goes in the pie hole. It, it doesn't have to be an indictment of, on yourself uh, or of yourself. It's just, it's just that simple. It's just a matter of adjusting. And, but as far as once your, once your stomach cavity has been altered, I'm, I'm no longer your man. I can't, I have no idea. I don't want to send you down a path that's going to be deleterious to your health. Cause I, that's not my field. That's not, that's not my, I don't know. I don't know. My mom had weight loss surgery. Uh, but it was the, it was the re reversible kind where she just had a lap band. Once she started, she, and she put a, she lost like 80 pounds or so with it and then put all of it plus some back on. Once she went plant-based and started eating this way, the lap band was actually giving her problems because she couldn't get the volume of food and she was having, so she went back in and had the lap band removed, but you can't do that with gastric bypass surgery. So I'm not your man. I would re highly recommend you follow Garth Davis and, and um, even message him because Garth is very react. Garth is very involved. He's a good dude. Absolutely. Uh, Jane wants to know what are your favorite spices and what are your favorite sauces? Um, my favorite spice, I would say it would have to be a blend, like just a Cajun blend of something that I use. Um, I use a something called Tony Shasheries, which is a very specific Louisiana specific thing. They make a salt free one. You can get salt free. It's really easy, but it's just your typical blend of Cajun spices of, you know, cayenne pepper and onion powder and garlic powder and all of the different, uh, paprika, all of the different, uh, black pepper. And I think my, the one I use has a little salt in it. And, but that's one of my favorites. But what's the name? I'm going to see if I can Google it. Tony somebody? It's called Tony Shashery. C-H-A-C-H-E-R-I-E, -E, I think. Shashery. It's in a green can. And it is that if that is like a staple. You're right. They have a no salt blend. I'm going to I'm going to provide a link. Yep. I love hearing about I always learn one new thing. And day. That's, that's authentic Cajun. Look. I mean, Cajuns put that stuff on ice cream, man. We put it on everything. That is, and so it is just such a good, it's just such a, it covers everything. So if I'm making my tofu scramble or if I'm making my stir fry or if I'm making a bowl of grits or if I'm making the mashed potatoes, Tony's, 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 love it. You're it's so really right. Good. He has a no salt seasoning blend. I'm going to see if I can find out more about it. It sounds great. And it has no, and none as far of the as sauces, I don't, 
I don't really make a lot of sauces. Um, I really don't. I don't make a lot of sauces. All of my sauces are all just happen to be pan juices of what I'm cooking in the moment. But now pay attention to pan juices when I have them and I'll add nutritional yeast and I'm making sure that I make my pan juices taste good because that's going to be part of my dish. And I like to have, you know, have it run out over the rice whenever. Uh... But as far as me making making sauces like like how um like how uh, mcdougall or even Furman, a lot of the other guys teach you all these soft like recipes for sauces i just i've never i've just never done it i don't do i just don't do sauces i just don't uh unless you would call hummus uh like that's more of a dip but you know but well, if you can use hummus for so many things. I throw hummus. In. You're going to get two sauces or two California balsamic vinegars just by being on the show. So you'll have two, two, two to try in your favorite. I love them. I love them. That, that's a, oh, Carissa has heard of Tony seasoning and says that she loves it. Gina says, "How does he dress up his pan juices?" That's funny. How do you dress them up? Well, well, that's what well, I'm paying attention because so I learned to cook really on TV with my grandfather on the weekends from a man named Chef Paul Prudhomme. And Chef Paul Prudhomme always, he talked a lot about make about seasoning and layers. So if I'm sauteing my onions, that gets a little bit of seasoning. And then I add my, my tempeh or my, my tofu or whatever. And then that gets a little bit more seasoning. Um, and so, and I'm constantly tasting it and seasoning. And that way, I know my pan juices are going to be right because every time you add something, it soaks up a little bit of the previous layer of seasoning. So you got to reintroduce some more seasoning. That's what I mean by making sure that my, my flavors are being layered on as I cook. I know that the juice in the pan is going to be really amazing, even though it might be a little bit, um, it might be a little bit uh, uh, intense, to on just the juice itself in the pan but by the time you pour it over the mashed potatoes or you pour it over the 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 rice it works out wonderfully because the mashed potatoes and rice are so bland um and so that's just that's just a very cajun way to cook is you just making sure because you want all the grillades that's what we call them the, the grillade the little like the little things in the bottom of the pan you want all of that I want to just, when I'm done cooking, pour my pan out and all of that is my food. I don't like to leave things stuck to the pan. You use a lot of, you got, what do you call it? The Holy Trinity? It's, uh, yes. it's celery, onion. Bell pepper, right. And onion, right. And then, and of course, you, you know, garlic too. Is, but garlic goes, you don't, you, you don't add the garlic when you add the Trinity because you'll burn the garlic. So you add the Trinity first, the garlic comes a little bit later. But yeah, those four things are very important in every, every Cajun dish. Would you say you eat fairly simply though? Very, very Here's, simply. Yeah, all the people that I've talked to really that have lost weight and kept it off, I, that's what I hear. They're not doing meal plans or recipes. They're just eating food. I'm eating very simply. I've done more meal planning than I ever have in the past two months, just because I signed up to do a program. And so I'm doing it just, and it's a weight, it's like a bodybuilding kind of a thing. And um, <clears throat> I'm just experimenting, you know? Um, but yeah, generally speaking, so I'm doing more recipes than I ever have before, but it's simple tofu scramble here and, you know, just little things like that. But yeah, 
that's the biggest kicker is it's so hard for people to just expect less from their food and expect more from your life. And that simple shift can just change you. Elizabeth says, when did it go from I'm craving this to I'm going to eat this? Um, I guess she means, because I'm, I'm a little bit confused. So I'm craving, so is it this or that type well, of thing? Well, she actually said it the other way around. She said, when did it go from I'm going to eat this to I'm craving this? So I actually read it backwards. Right. Okay. That makes more sense. Um, that's a really cool question. I would, there's no pinpoint. I think I would say for tofu, because it would be different for many things, right? And for tofu, when I learned how to, when I, when I really learned how to use like black sea salt in my tofu scramble to give it that sulfury sort of eggy kind of vibe in the tofu scramble i went from choking down tofu to like craving a tofu scramble you know um and so it's it's a little bit more complicated i guess of an answer because it, it just depends on which which food uh which food some of them i just woke up and was like holy cow uh i love beets now like I hated beets my whole life. It tastes like blood and dirt. And I just, I thought it was gross. Now I love beets. Melons, another one. Um, and I think that might be, maybe it's just the way my body has changed. The, you know, the, I'm sure things realign the way, uh, not only synapses in your brain, but also, you know, just the, the sensory adaptations in your mouth and you adjust over time. But, and so maybe the thing that adjusts in my brain to help me like tofu more also accidentally helped me like watermelon more. I have no idea how to explain it all, but there are tons of food that I used to hate that I now absolutely love and crave like watermelon. For instance, I can't get enough. It's especially during the summer. It's just an amazing food. Um, <clears throat> and so that's kind of a, a crappy answer to that question, but that, that's, that's about, uh, it's, it's complicated. It's, it, 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 I would have to break it down one by one. Yeah. Well, Gina thought it was really profound when you said expect less from your food. And I tagged it with expect less from your food and want more for your life. I love it. It's beautiful. It's like we co-created a, a phrase. Oh, yeah, we co-created a catchphrase. I love it. <laughs> I love it too. I really do. So tell us about your book, uh, From Sick to Fit. And can I say what, what, the, what the, the title that you were thinking of but didn't use that I really love from this to that sure it was it was from kunas to badass or something like that right yeah yeah we were talking about that last time I really liked that but it's called from sick to fit and and people can get it on your website so talk talk a little bit about your book yeah that that is just a um you know after that first rich roll podcast he really sort of issued me a mandate and you know, that he's like, Josh, I see you in front of people telling people how to do this, you know, like Phil and sack sick, uh, fat, sick and nearly dead. You know, um, he's like, I could see you standing at a grocery store showing people how to strip kale and doing all the things. And 
And so from that moment going forward, after that first interview, I, I took it seriously because Rich is a, a mentor of mine. Now he's become a very dear personal friend of mine. And, and it, it, it mattered to me that he expected me to be a voice. And so I took that and ran with it. And um, lo and behold, I, I, I felt compelled to tell my own story because of how many other stories I had read that, that had inspired me, Rich being one, uh, Scott Jurek, um, you name it, right? And, and that just really resonated with me. And so I started just writing. And the big thing was I met, I met Dr. Garth Davis in 2015. And he told me verbatim, point blank, I had written like a little sort of a manifesto that I had shared with Rich Roll. And Garth Davis, after we stood in line at a coffee shop together, and after we talked for like five minutes, and he's like, man, you should write a book. And that really lit a fire under me to specifically write a book, not just be a voice, not just help other fat guys, but actually create something. And so he hooked me up with his co-author and friend, uh, Howard Jacobson. And long story short, how he just gave me, he's like, just write stuff and send it to me and let's see what we got. And how he, lo and, you know, lo and behold, helped me create um, a book out of my story. And he helped me recognize things that I had learned because I'm just a regular person. Like I'm not like a, some sort of a health coach or, or, or some sort of like healthcare professional that has all of this real smart advice for you and, and this nuanced understanding of, you know, medicine or something. I'm just a dude with a story. And um, Howie helped me see that story and tell it from my layman's perspective, while at the same time, with him being the behavioral scientist that he is and the expert that he is and the voice he is, um, at the same time, him being able to pull out things from my story, actionables, that here's what Josh did, and here's what science says about that thing that he intuited, and here's what you can do to implement something similar. Um, and that's what really makes me happy about what we've created is not only is it, a, you know, a, me telling my story in book form, but it actually gives some some footholds for people to grab onto from Howie um, along the way uh, and, and, and introduces people to Howie as well. Cause I, uh, Howie is just a, a, a positive force in anyone's life. <laughs> um, and I just, I'm really proud of it. That's all chef. I just, I love, I am happy that, that I'm extremely proud. I mean, there's a book out there that it, it's just, it still hasn't set it set, you know, it still hasn't settled in. Um, Pretty much and, all the Lajani's have books now. Well, yeah, my mom has a cookbook with my brother and I have, I have, uh, I have this book and I'm definitely not the only one with a story though. Um, so it feels, it feels a little disingenuous sometimes for me, like when I'm the person who's doing the interviews and having a book and on the cover of Runner's World and but I know if I'm being real with myself, my story is like a C minus compared to so many others that I know, you know? 
I think that's what we love about you. You, you just remain so, so humble. We got, you got a lot of fans watching Kathy Hester, who's like an amazing vegan chef. Says, I love Kathy. I know. And, and, and you know, when, when, when you were talking about that seasoning, the first thing I thought was, well, Kathy Hester can make that because she can literally create any, anything you want. Salt free. Oh, I'm aware. She's already created like 10 versions of, of, of Tony's spice blend. She's going to help me. She's going to help me with my sauce. Uh, 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 what you would call it, my lack of sauce recipes. <laughs> if you don't need it, don't need it. You know, the food, food can actually taste really good without it. But she says, Cheryl talks all the time about how inspiring Josh has been on her journey. And Elizabeth says, sick to fit helped me to recover from a severe mystery illness and helped me to recover my health from disability to thriving. No one could help, but I could help myself. So yeah, you got a lot of, lot of love on this, uh, this one. So you know who I, what I think about more than the people that are successful or the ones that have given up hope? How, how can we help inspire those people that it's not hopeless, that there's always a chance to regain your health? It's hard, Chef AJ. Like, I get it. First of all, like, I don't know if I have a nugget to give that person other than to just give them my heart, you know, give them my compassion and say, I, I know I know how bad it is. It sucks. Um, and, you know, I, the, the only thing, my best, my best offering, and it seems so shallow, but it's so true and it's so rich and it has been so powerful to me. It's something that I learned from Rich Roll a long time ago is mood follows action. And so make a move, damn it. Make a move. Who cares if you're hopeless and you lost? You're still alive. Like, take a freaking, take a step in a direction, any direction. Let's move for when we move, when we create action, our mood follows. And, and so as difficult as it may feel, do something, even if it winds up being, even if it winds up proving to be the wrong thing, you know? You need the mistakes to, to um, you know, spur the growth. So if, if you feel lost, I would often, I would venture to uh, hypothesize that you feel lost because you're looking at all of the things that need to be changed in your life at once. And that's why you feel lost. That's why you feel hopeless. And I don't blame you. Because if you looked at all of those at one time and you tried to fight all those battles and hit and play whack-a-mole with all those problems, of course you're going to quit. Why wouldn't you? It's impossible. So break it down, get simple, and do something. Yeah. I think about what Dr. Lyle just said the other day. Don't let what you can't do get in the way of what you can do. Beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And we, now we have a new saying that I've been posting, expect less from your food and want more from your life. So we, we both can use it and give each other props for developing half the sentence. Cause I really, I really like that. I really I do like too. That. I think it's amazing. It's, it's a new beautiful. one. See, see what we get out of these shows. Well, it's, it's just <laughs> always great catching up to you. Nadej says, Josh would be the one I would like to meet in real life. And maybe when we're not having a pandemic, he'll be speaking somewhere and you can meet him because he's a great speaker. He's, you've spoken at so many PCRM, VegFests. I've seen you at a bunch of VegFests. 
it has been, um, yeah, that part of my life, that sort of budding part of my life, being invited to go um, and be on, get on the spot in different locations around the country uh, and, and be in 3D with people. Um, oh, my God. That is just such a special thing in my life that I would have never thought was going to come from losing weight, you know. Um, but that is a very special thing and I love it. And so I hope, I hope I do get to meet her and I, it's very likely, um, that we will cross paths one day. I'm not hard to find. Well, I bet you Bam Bam is like constantly looking down behind your family and like smiling. I, I know he's proud of us. He was proud before he went, you know, um, I gotta say, even though it's very sad to lose someone you love so much, I'm of all of the people that I've been able to help in my life um, with losing weight and changing health outcomes and stuff, to watch my Bam Bam go from being a 380 pound man in his late 70s to being a, a you know a 200 pound man, you know, and in his early 80s and being able to completely um, get rid of his hub around, his little cart. He, now he's ambulatory and he was able to move and he was able to walk up and down the stairs and get in and out of the truck with me and come to work with me every day. He would just ride, but that's all, he, you know, that was his exercises to get up from his recliner, walk through the living room, walk down the steps, get in my truck and then hang out with me all day and then do the same thing in the evening when I brought him home. And, you know, that last three years of his life where he was able to get that done, whereas the previous three years, he was just too heavy to do it and too miserable to do it. So even though we lost him still and, and that, that was a terrible, terrible week of my life, to know that me and my family, because without my mom changing, without my brother changing, you know, the default in the family doesn't change. And if the default in the family doesn't change, what Bam Bam doesn't eat in the twilight of his life doesn't change. And if that doesn't change, then we don't get the rich last three years that we got. He got to come and see me run races and go to, go to, you know, like rural locales and watch me run trail races. And he watched, I won a 50 miler in, um, in, in, in Florida one time I ran I signed up for this 50 mile race and we ran four mile loops and my brother he was there all day it took me nine hours and 20 minutes or so and he was there every loop I came through every loop I came through every loop I came and I'm gonna cry he said we get to the finish I get to the finish line I'm in first place I was blown away and he knew you know, by that time in his life, the, the vascular dementia was really um, pretty pronounced. But he looked at me at the finish line and he, and he high-fived me, put his hand up. And he said, we won the whole damn thing. <laughs> it was one of the best moments of my life, you know. And it wasn't just about my ability to win that race. It was about his ability to be out in the woods all day long as an 80-year-old man, you know, uh, and he loved it. He loves it. And it didn't put a lot of extra burden on my brother and my family because we didn't need all sorts of accoutrement to get him from place to place. He, 
you know, a cane and a wheelchair if it's too rocky of a surface and we good, right? And um, yeah, he, he, I'm sure he's sitting up there proud. He's back hanging out with my memo. They back side by side. That's really good. And I think they're both very, very proud of their family. That's so cool. I was going to let you go, but then Kathy Hester posted something about a program you have starting in October. Maybe you want to talk about it. Yeah, sure. We, we, we're still just in a very, you know, infant phases, but I want to provide all, all of us, Kathy and, and Howie and myself, just want to provide a community, a place for people to be able to go, be able to post, be able to be um, sort of away from the algorithms of some of the more popular social media platforms. And we can just be with one another and share what we're doing, share a lot of the things that we were talking about, answer a lot of questions that, that we were talking about here in this interview. Um, just be a warm, inviting, sick to fit community for like-minded people who are trying to get aligned um, with their with their most authentic version of themselves and and you know uh, that that's what we're working on right now and I, I i i mean it's still it's still in the development phases um but it's coming and keep your keep your eyes your eyes peeled and your ears open and um I'm definitely going to be sharing how to participate in what what we're up to very soon. That's amazing. It's but so you great. can go to sick yeah sicktofit.com and um and uh and you can go from there. Should be pretty pretty easy. I posted the link in the chat, but I'll make sure to also post everything in the show. Yes. Thanks so much for catching up with me, Josh. It's always great talking to you. Thanks for having me, Chef at any time. And guys, thank you so much for watching. And please come back in three hours when we're going to have a restorative yoga class with chanting and sound healing that you won't want to miss. Say hi to your family. I love them now too. I definitely will. And they love you as well. Okay. All right. Take care.